Oh, oh, is that him? Hey. Hello. <laughs> you look like such a boomer. He looks like what's his face from Narnia. The, 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 wow. Uh, that little like oh, half goat, half man. Bro. <laughs> that's what you look like right now. Bro, that's rough. Why buy a comic that would cost more than a dime? Come meet the brothers who are here to waste your time. As some of our listeners may notice, the audio has changed yet again. This is because we are video conferencing as I am in a different place and time and one could argue multiverse. So you guys may notice that I'm drinking from a cup. I promise you it is not the whiskey that I wish it was because I have to stay awake for this. So uh with all that out of the way today is a very special episode ladies and gentlemen we are not doing the news and uh the what we've been reading or watching or anything nerdy like that we are have one topic tonight and that is the justice league and how it is special to tonight's host Yes, he gets his own name tonight, Spencer. Uh, okay, well, I guess somebody just called me a host, at least for tonight, so that's interesting. You're my host. What a twist. Yeah, what are we talking about? So we're going to be talking about um, the Snyder Cut, as it's become called. So no further ado, all three of us are present. That's cool. Call and say hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> So sadly, you're gonna be hearing a lot of my voice. Apologies. It, yeah. Um, so something that uh, the reason for doing this entire episode based on one topic as a, a special, still haven't totally decided what I'm gonna title it, um, is because some of the people that Jacob has interacted with um, had mentioned when they listened that they didn't totally understand why uh, Spencer is droning on and on about something uh, called the Snyder Cut. So Jacob had the idea of, hey, let's do a special on this and other topics eventually to have kind of a, a video audio primer of sorts. Um, also, it keeps me from talking about it so much week to week, and the, that makes Jacob happy. This episode is probably going to be called Spencer's Big PP for Snyder Daddy. We're going to um, call it the Zach Daddy special. Oh, dear Lord, please, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, so I'm just gonna go over all of my things. We've got a we've got an agenda going on. Uh, so, what is the Snyder Cut? Uh, the Snyder Cut is basically the director's cut of the 2017 uh, Justice League film. That's the shortest way of putting it. It's far more complicated. We're gonna get into it. Um, so, you've probably, if you've ever been on Twitter over the past three years, you've probably seen. Hashtag release the Snyder Cut or something along those lines trending uh, or coming up here and there. Uh, it's because there's this version of a movie that um, was actually the director's vision that was tampered with in many different forms that the audience uh, and the diehard fan base wants to see and wanted to see more importantly. So getting the attention of the studio via lots of different means. That's the sweetest version of it. Of it. I'll get into more detail later. Um, so something that does get tossed around a lot, I just want to get out of the way, uh, is a lot of 
derogatory comments towards Snyder fans. Understandably so, there are a lot of bad eggs, to be honest. I've encountered plenty of them myself, whether it be in real life, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Every following has a bunch of bad eggs. Yeah, and they happen to be really, really, really loud, if we're being honest. And some of them are very gatekeepy. They're like, oh, you don't understand this. It's too smart for you. They can be very condescending. Oh yeah, very pretentious. Um, nobody in the the real diehard part of the Snyder Cut community is advocating for that stuff. Nobody is here to dox anybody or blast people off of social media. It's not to complain, it's to make a point. There's We're a just massive here. difference. We're just here to with the desire to appreciate Snyder's vision for the Justice League. Right. So that's Nobody in their right mind is advocating to scream and yell at people in real life or on Twitter or to send death threats or anything like that, which has happened and is very sad. If you've done any of that and you're listening to this, you are a terrible person. Please never do that again. Get pegged. Remove yourself from social media for a little while. Get a life. Genuinely, just get a life. So I take the the nickname of being a Snyder bot or a Snyder cultist on the chin because it's funny. Like, admittedly, sometimes it can be a little entertaining and a little cringy to be to be fair to myself. Uh, but but to be fair, it's also a cult following, and that was what I meant when I called you that. Right. That it's super underground, and there's a surprisingly huge community behind it. So. It's it's very big, as we'll get into. Um, so that's some a piece of housekeeping towards this whole conversation i just wanted to get out there because the the fandom has a bad reputation to be fair um so after the success of the dark knight trilogy uh warner bros pictures approached uh christopher nolan to um basically write up a story treatment slash executive produce a superman film of the same vein being a bit more grounded or approached in a more adult manner, not dark and gritty, but you know, some of the buzzwords that do get tossed around. Um, it was his idea to find another director to helm this and he uh, strongly suggested Zack Snyder. So that long story short kicked off um, this new interconnected DC film universe that started with Man of Steel um, and then you go into Batman v Superman, which uh, if you've been on the internet since 2016, you've probably heard that it's garbage because it's still being talked about to this day um, in every circle. It's kind of impressive. Um, and way back when uh, the fans didn't really know about it, the public didn't really know about it, but there was a five film um main arc of this series it wasn't meant to be a mcu clone basically it was supposed to be um man of steel batman v superman and then three justice league films um that was supposed to be um kal-el clark kent superman going on his hero's journey um going through all of those movies and then there was potential for spin-off films uh, helmed by other directors and writers that would be directly influenced by Zack Snyder. So he was positioned kind of as a Kevin Feige, not really because he's actually a filmmaker. Kevin Feige is not, but in the the sense of being an overseer as well as driving his own vision, it was supposed to be a (laughs) bit of a limited universe. There's a point, there's an end trajectory. Um, And then with the 
public reception of Man of Steel being mixed at the time. Um, WB intervened with uh, Batman v Superman on release and had uh, the theatrical cut, which was roughly 30 minutes shorter than the director's actual cut of the movie, had a horrible reception in theaters, um, made a good chunk of change, is like $850 million or whatever, but it didn't go as big uh, as you would expect a movie with Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman in it. Um, and the critical reception was <clears throat> poor, to say the least. So when you put that in perspective, they, um, the studio was already meddling with this plan way back in the second entry in this universe. Um, it, it didn't look very good for the future. So the director's uh, vision was released immediately as soon as it came out on disc. It's Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, uh, the ultimate edition. It's the actual version of the movie. I don't own the theatrical cut and never will. Um, yeah, that movie is real rough. Small peen energy. Barely feels like a movie. It's so barely horrible. feels like a peener. Oh my gosh. Probably man. isn't. No, it's less of a, a choppy piece of garbage. Yep. Uh, cutting out very integral parts. So the studio cutting. was already interfering uh, with the vision going on. Um, whether or not you think that's correct or not isn't really the point. There's already a, a track <clears throat> history of it. So when you go immediately after the theatrical release of Batman v Superman, Justice League was supposed to be going into production. All the pre-production was done. Sets were built. Costumes were done. Um, and then just at that time, uh, the studio told uh, Snyder and his writers, uh, David S. Goyer and Chris Terrio to rewrite the script. Um, so they did a full rewrite of that first Justice League script. It's fairly, uh, from what we've been told, it's fairly well in line with what it was supposed to be, um, but it did get toned down. Apparently there were a lot of things that would were too scary for public audiences um, to quote Snyder and would set the world on fire if it actually got shot and released. Um, so it got toned down slightly. And then we have the Justice League film that he was filming. Um, what was everybody knew was Justice League 2017. Uh, most of the way through production was getting shot on this version of the script. Um, so this was what fans would later call the 214 cut. It has a runtime of 214 minutes, not including credits. Um, but because that script was deemed by the studio to be better than the original Justice League script, it was still a quote, compromised version of his vision. Um, the production was, was a bit troubled uh, because of this, the script change just before the movie was shot. Um, nothing huge, but it was, it had some, some bumps here and there. Obviously that brings cost up. You have to delay things. Um, and then, um, there were a lot of rewrites by Jeff Johns, who is a excellent comic book writer who had been working his way up the hierarchy at WB pictures and DC films. So he was, uh, putting in a lot of rewrites to this script and telling, uh, Snyder that they needed to get shot that way a lot of studio notes. Um, if anybody understands how studio notes work, it's basically, here's a thing that we believe test audiences and the public will find better than what you're doing. So it's 
quite often it's a lot of silly things like love triangles and more jokes and ripping off other franchises and silly things like that some of which are valid to the sense of commercial appeal um, some of which are nonsense the director generally speaking should have say over whether or not they follow those um, studio notes so uh, after principal photography had wrapped on justice league 2017 um, they were in the middle of post-production uh, and they were about to go back for uh, pickups or reshoots as you probably have heard them called. Um, which are totally scheduled. That's how movie films work. This just all of them, they all do it. It's scheduled. It's part of the budget. You miss things. You need better transition shots. You didn't get a take you liked, something like that. It's always part of the deal. And then just before uh, that happened, um, there was a family tragedy uh, in the Snyder family. Um, one of Zach and Debbie's um, children, Autumn, um, ended her own life and they stepped away from production um, temporarily at first. And then um, they announced that they would officially be departing um, Justice League 2017 <coughs> and WB had arranged for uh, Joss Whedon, uh, another well-known and fairly well-respected director to uh, handle the end of post-production and to handle the reshoots that were scheduled. Um, so then the Snyders kind of fell off the, the map as they should have. They were taking time with their family uh, to process this tragedy that had happened. Um, and then we go through reshoots, which were rumored and speculated to have been far more extensive than they were originally supposed to be. Unless I'm misremembering, the original reshoots were supposed to be uh, like a month or two tops that's normal like blockbuster movie reshoots they ended up being like three or four months the production budget essentially doubled um, and it turns out they're reshooting a lot of things that didn't need to be reshot uh, after this movie got uh, finished if you can call it finished to be honest um, and was released theatrically uh, the uh, director of cinematography um, Fabian Wagner who worked with Zack Snyder this is like his man um, said that this movie that got released um, as the fans now call it Justice League um, had about 10 to 15 percent Snyder footage at best scenes that were um, originally shot by Snyder were getting reshot to add in quips and jokes and to change the lighting arrangements and all sorts of nonsense. They changed like character attitudes towards each other. Yeah, I'm and, getting there. I'm yeah. just trying to get through the timeline at the moment uh, to get like a, a framing device to where all the details fit. All right. um, so it's literally the day that it came out, um, a fan, <laughs> um, shout out to Movies That Matter with the Viking, if he ever hears this, uh, put out a tweet on Twitter, just said, hashtag release the Snyder Cut. Im immediately knew that this was not the film that we were supposed to be getting. This is not what Snyder so wanted. So he's the one that started it all? Yep. Um, great guy. I've had some Twitter conversations with him. Really <laughs> cool dude. Um, and then that kind of started a trend. Uh, Just Justice League uh, flopped hard at the box office. It made... I believe around $400 million, which sounds like a lot, and it is, but when you take into account the movie was basically made twice because of how much was reshot, um, take the original, I believe, $250 million production budget between $250 and $300 million, double that because it got reshot, and then add in 
the marketing budget, which usually consists of the movie's budget uh, for production. So it ends up being like an 800 to potentially $900 million movie. Once you take into account reshoots and marketing, it's absolutely ridiculous. And then um, to, for a movie to quote unquote make money for the actual studios involved, you have to account for how much the theater chains take, which is usually 10 to 15% of overall box office. It's all complicated. So the movie flopped, like it's on every list of the biggest flop, not because it didn't make any money, but because of percentage wise, it made like maybe 30% of its overall budget back at best. Um, definitely didn't make any money um, profit wise. So it flopped, fans revolted. Most Snyder fans said, hey, this is, this is definitely not right. Something went wrong here. Um, you know, trying to get Snyder's attention. Eventually he came out and said he had never watched the theatrical version. He still says that to this day. Um, people close to him have, like I said, Fabian Wagner, as well as some other people involved have continued to say it's like max 25% Snyder footage. If what Zack Snyder originally <clears throat> shot was 214 minutes uh, edited into a movie, as we'll come to find out later, uh, and then you take the two-hour runtime of the theatrical cut, cut it down to 15 20%, it's like 10 minutes out of what's like an almost four-hour movie. So just that alone is a ridiculous amount of footage that ended up getting quote-unquote cut, meaning removed and pretty much burned. Um, so since the release of the movie up until uh, November of 2019, which was the two year anniversary of the theatrical cut, it was pretty much radio silence from Warner Brothers, officially speaking. There were lots of rumors floating around. Uh, it was just fans campaigning left, right, and center. There have been t-shirt campaigns, advertisements placed in freaking Times Square, um, planes flying around with banners, everything you can imagine. Um, all of which was profiting uh, the American Center of Suicide Prevention. Um, it's all been done for charity. So it's just trying to get the attention of the studio saying, hey, we want this movie, which over those two years, uh, Zack Snyder kept putting images out on his Vero account, um, basically confirming that he did have another movie in its entirety. Um, all sorts of images from scenes that were in the marketing or we've never seen before. 99% of them were finished or near finished. Um, so it kept getting louder and louder and louder. And uh, when AT&T purchased um, Warner Media, which is the parent company of Warner Brothers Pictures, um, apparently all the noise got their attention. Um, last year in November, that there's a massive, massive push uh, by the fan community. It got the company's attention. They brought Snyder in for a meeting uh, and said, hey, what would it take for you to finish what you were doing? What, what do we have to do for you? Obviously, there's this <clears throat> massive outcry. We can make money off of this. If, as we can see in the vault, there's basically a finished movie sitting there. Uh, what can we do to help you with this so we can turn a profit and you can get the closure that you want and deserve? Um, and they funded what are becoming, what is now becoming Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, it's not the same as what we would have gotten in 2017. It's better. It's being 
taken off the leash. The reshoots that are happening right now are in addition to what was already shot. It's being turned into a four hour long miniseries. So there's more footage being added on top of what was already done. Fan speculation seems to lead towards the fact that he's reverting back to the original script of Justice League. As I said, there weren't, it wasn't massively different. There was just a amount of stuff that had to be trimmed or removed. So judging by production photos and costume designs and all sorts of weird speculative things, it looks like that's pretty much what we're getting is the original, original plan. Um, so in a sense, thanks WB for screwing up so hard because now we're getting what we should have gotten. So that's the timeline. That's as condensed as I could make it within reason. Um, that is very con condensed. I'm impressed at how much you cut out there. <laughs> see, that's just the timeline. Now I can get into details. Um, that was the, the framing device. So again, if anybody doesn't quite understand what's going on, they now can understand the context of it, where things fit in. I was pouring whiskey. Ooh. Oh, more. Ah! No, no, no. The, the first glass was uh, a <laughs> grapefruit soda that I found. That sounds very peculiar. Could it's you really not pick my like... armpit? Could you not? Stop touching me. <laughs> okay. Headphones going back on properly. Uh, so in the wake of the release the Snyder Cut movement, um, there have been other spin-off movements, so to speak. Uh, there has also been hashtag release the A or cut, which in its most condensed form, a similar thing happened to David Ayer's Suicide Squad film, which had a lot of studio interference and reshoots and editing problems. Um, I always thought that was said Ayer because it's spelled A-Y-E-R. I just read it as Ayer, not Ayer. Yeah, I, I was always curious about that one, and I went and found an interview where he says it correctly, just to make sure I got that right. So, you know, that movie was panned uh, just about as bad as BVS was. It's edited to garbage, apparently, according to the director and also the writer, because he did both. Uh, it's a darker, more dramatic film. It's not like a giant music video. Um, it has basically an entire movie's worth of Joker footage in it um, that just all ended up getting cut. So that's become a spin-off movement that's interlinked because as a whole, WB Pictures seems, at least during that period of time, not to trust their filmmakers to do anything. Um, and there's also released the Schumacher cut, which sounds a bit silly. Before you go into the Schumacher cut, I want to say that when you say that the suicide cut, uh, the, the, the theatrical cut hand, I just want to take the time right now to say that you liked it the first time you watched it. Uh, and I was, yes. How I, much it wasn't I, that great. I, I did. I was quite literally in denial about two days later. I was like, oh, what have I done? This is garbage. I was, I was so hyped and I could not process the fact that it was really, really bad. It's very bad. My dad won't let that one go either. Uh, <laughs> And as I said, there's also uh, released the Schumacher cut. Uh, there, a similar thing happened way back with um, Batman Forever. <laughs> Crazy enough. Um, apparently, uh, Joel Schumacher had a darker, more uh, psychological thriller of a movie. Um, there have been some deleted scenes that have come out. Um, WB has said that they don't know if this is actually intact because some of the footage might have been damaged because it was shot on film ages ago. 
Um, but it sounds like there might be people looking into it. And I find that very interesting. There's like 40 additional minutes that was originally part of the film before it got cut. Um, so this is spread and it's become a bit of a joke for other things like Star Wars doing it and all sorts of other things, but um, it has a further reaching impact. There've been a lot of uh, people in the film industry and the comic book industry that have backed uh, the Snyder Cut movement, obviously Zach and Deborah Snyder, uh, Fabian Wagner, Clay Enos, who is the uh, photographer that falls around uh, Zack Snyder. He does a lot of work with him. Um, Jay Oliva, who is Zack's storyboard artist who worked on this film. Um, the entire stunt crew of the movie, because so much of their footage ended up getting cut. Uh, everybody in the core league, uh, except Ezra Miller, because he doesn't have social media. But everybody else in one way, shape, matter, form has said it. Um, Jason, Jason Momoa has been a massive proponent of it, literally screaming and yelling about it. It's been hilarious to watch. Um, Ray Porter, who was dark side in this movie, which I will be getting to. Um, Jesse Eisenberg has actually said that a lot of his footage also got cut and he would like to see it. Uh, Joe Manganiello, who played Deathstroke in the film. Uh, Kieran Hines, I believe is how you say his name. The, um, the actor who, play, who portrayed Steppenwolf. J.K. Simmons, who uh, portrayed Commissioner Gordon, David Ayer, uh, Jovian Wade, who's the actor who plays Cyborg on uh, Doom Patrol, has, all, has said he would like to see this movie. Uh, Diane Nelson, who is the former DC Entertainment president from a few years back. Uh, Josh Trank, the director of Fantastic, whose movie also got butchered by the studio. Um, Scott Derrickson, uh, the director who's most famous probably for doing Doctor Strange. Uh, Dave Batista, Lieber Mayho, the comic book artist, Rob Liefeld, also a comic book artist, Dan Jurgens, also a comic book artist and writer, Ed Boon, the creator of Mortal Kombat, um, and, <laughs> and Boss Logic, the uh, digital artist. I don't know how else to describe Boss Logic. If you don't know who Boss Logic is, just look him up. Um, I have only heard the name, and that's pretty much it. I can, he does some amazing. I'm the Boomer. Yeah, he does a lot of. I have um, seen some art. Yeah, he does like some. He does a lot of the custom posters and key art and stuff, fan casting stuff. It's ridiculous. Um, that's just the really big stuff. There's been a thousand other people and probably quite literally millions of fans. Um, so just to now the fun part where we get to dissect the difference, just the stuff that we know, the difference between the 2017 theatrical cut of Justice League and then the 2021 Zack Snyder's Justice League four-hour miniseries. Um, I got a nice list of this stuff. If you guys have anything on this, I really do want to hear it because there are some weird things going on. Um, so something kind of major, which you'll notice, the aspect ratio is entirely different. Um, this was originally shot uh, in 1.66.1, which is also known as European widescreen. It's like a, half, a happy medium between widescreen and IMAX. Um, it, if you don't look at it closely, it can kind of look like four, three, which is like the old school television format. Um, basically it allows for more headroom. Uh, <clears throat> Zack Snyder, uh, explained this not too long ago. It basically allows for more headroom while also having wide shots. So you could have like the entire league talking to each other and see their full bodies in the same shot. Um, it was cropped and edited down to 1.85, which is the normal like theatrical blockbuster cut 
so the movie you saw in theaters was quite literally cropped. So there was part of it you just didn't even see, um, which for me led to it looking kind of cramped. Might just be me, but it always felt kind of smushed in. There was always stuff off camera or out of frame. Um, I can agree with that. Yeah. How many times have you watched the terrible cut? Three, I'm ashamed to say. Once in theaters and then twice since then. And I've dreaded it every time even more. And you've made it through every single time? You do that to yourself. The second time was, like, it's really hard to do. The second time, uh, I was doing other things at the time. I was multitasking, but it made that strong of an impression that I can still remember a lot of details. Like I'm not just pulling things out of my butt. <laughs> um, so the, the next thing, which is going to be pretty clear is the entire musical score uh, was done. Uh, Junkie XL also known by his actual name of uh, Tom Holkenberg worked with uh, Hans Zimmer, the God um, for Batman V Superman. It was a collaborative project and he had apprenticed under Hans Zimmer while he worked on man of steel so there, um, the, it was being followed. The, there was a pattern, the same uh, themes, motifs, we're all getting passed along, same type of instrumentation. Uh, the score was done. The entire thing was wrapped, um, but he was replaced once Zach had left. Uh, apparently he got fired by the studio and was replaced with Danny Elfman, who is an excellent composer. I can't deny that. No, he's gonna deny that. He's done some amazing work. He made like, the Batman animated series theme song. Yeah, like he's done some great stuff. I really like his work on uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. The Nightmare Before Christmas is, I think, his best piece of work because of how uh, symbiotic it is with the movie. Like, it's amazing. There but, you go using that term, symbiotic. Symbiote. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but the... <sighs> His work as of late has not been too great, if I'm being honest, in my opinion. Um, and having, when I listened to, when I was watching the original, the theatrical cut at first, that was the first thing I noticed was the movie was, the, the music was entirely different, tonally speaking. None of the themes were carried over, which from movies being Man of Steel and Batman v Superman um, that have a lot of musical synergy, it's part of the, the DNA of the movie cutting it out and then just replacing it with somewhat generic superhero music was <clears throat> disappointing and tone deaf to say the least. Um, he was rushed, so you can't blame him too much. He had like a couple of months to write an entire film score and to literally record the whole thing. But the way he's acted about it since then has also been really, really gross, to be honest. He's yelled at fans for wanting this apparently non-existent version of this original movie. He's, you know, claimed that there's only been one score for Batman being his. It's like, no, freaking Hans Zimmer did work on the entire Dark Knight trilogy, and that was excellent. There are very clear Batman themes in other forms of media. Freaking Danny, shut up. Like, just stuff like that. And it's really bad. And he did, he brought back partially, I would say, out of ego, in my opinion, and partially out of uh, necessity due to time. He revitalized the John Williams Superman theme and the... A Batman 89 theme, which I would argue does not work for either versions of these characters. That just doesn't fit. The tone is different. Mm -hmm. The the musical style clashes because you have a lot of 
soundscape-based digital work being done by Hans Zimmer, and then you're gonna try to tell me that this Superman, who's had themes that are very loud and bombastic, is like now it's a march from like the '70s, which is excellent work by John Williams. It's amazing, but it doesn't fit the character. Uh, Junkie XL has confirmed that he is recording more um, music for this. Uh, new version of Zack Snyder's Justice League. He's doing more work. He's put out some teasers and it sounds freaking amazing, at least to me. It fits I what I would imagine. I haven't listened to the teasers, so I, I don't really have an opinion yet. I, I'm going to send it to you. It's really good stuff. You can probably listen to some of it tonight. Yes, it's very good. Um, yeah. So obviously the the runtime, uh, the, the, the theatrical cut was 120 minutes, including credits. Uh, and then the new version of Zack Snyder's Justice League is 240 minutes, roughly, because it is supposed to be released as a four-part hour-long episode miniseries, which will be collected as a film when it's done. Um, so that's roughly 240 minutes. That's a lot. That's a huge difference in terms of time. It's quite literally double. Like, that's a lot. Just, oof. Yep. Um, <laughs> The color grading, uh, I think for public audiences is very clearly the most obvious one. Um, yeah, dude, it was so bad. The theatrical <laughs> cut got re, um, because of the difference in how they shot and the amount of time and studio notes being, hey, we want this this movie to be lighter and more uh, family friendly or however you want to use the terms. Uh, it was, it's like they turned the gamma up it felt you could like, tell if it, it, it gave it like a really gross texture. Yeah. Like I felt like um, I was playing Minecraft again with my gamma all the way up, trying not to use torches. Same. That's the, it was really washed out, even though it was really saturated at the same time. I uh, had a question back on Junkie XL. You said that it was almost done or probably. It was literally done. done. So I don't understand financially why they would cut that and do something else and especially like since just the reshoots cost so much money because the the current fan um opinion by the most of the movement is because he was a snyder loyalist he there have been rumors that are not substantiated that the parting between the Snyders and the studio was not voluntary, or at least not entirely voluntary. Um, and he was a person that had worked with them for a long time, like a lot of the production crew and did not want to work with anybody else. He either understood the context of like how it was going to get manipulated. And I would imagine just the studio wanting to make the film lighter and more I didn't want to go there, but more MCU-esque. That's clearly what they were going for. Of course. Why wouldn't they? They saw that the MCU uh, was making a crap ton of money, so they want to make a crap ton of money too. Right. You but can get they, it. they don't realize that you don't need to be just like them. They had their own thing. Right. You don't need where, to copy and paste it. Yeah. I don't, I don't, uh, Warner Brothers has, has never like actually understood DC because the whole point of DC is multiverse. That's what we should be playing off of, and now that's what we're doing. Yeah, now we are. Finally. It's just amazing we had to get this before, through all of this garbage to get Before, there. they were playing off of uh, uh, multiverse, like, by accident. Yeah. And yeah. that's what got people confused because no one understood. Right. Yeah, it's... um. 
tonally speaking, it's well, it's fairly well in line with Hans Zimmer and his work on the first two films of this series. So, I mean, listen to those. If you slapped that onto the theatrical cut of this movie, do you think that that would sound even remotely close to right? Uh, I don't think so. So I can understand them wanting to... Do I think it's cost-effective? Absolutely not. I think that's ridiculous. But if they wanted to remove someone who is going to make this difficult for them to not meet their uh, intended release date um, and would be pushing for more tonal consistency with films that they wanted to, the studio wanted to distance themselves from, I could see why they would switch it over. Uh, back to color grading real quick. Um, something that I think really annoyed the crap out of me mostly about this wasn't even the color change from the usual darker, more blue to white, like color palette that um, most Snyder films have to the gaudy red. Red. Like not even that part. It's the fact that the costumes don't look right. No. Because they basically turned the gamma up. They Mm -hmm. modified it post the reshot. The reshoots had very different lighting. Mm -hmm. So the shot, the the suits aren't built. They weren't designed by, um, I believe it's Michael Wilkinson, their costume designer, who has done amazing work. They weren't designed to be used in those sorts of scenarios in that type of lighting circumstances. The the creases and the shadows don't show because there's so much light. Mm -hmm. So it makes, you know, Ben Affleck look like really fat and he's not like stuff like that it doesn't show correctly it doesn't fit with what the production design was made for yeah everything was designed for how zach was shooting it wow it's almost like there's a style to his movies or something there was almost like there was a purpose in what they were doing what no what yeah so like that and obviously just the color that the color difference at the third battle is like well it's too dark you can't have it be at nighttime so let's make it bright red and orange in some undisclosed time frame, it just, it looks horrible. It makes everything look washed out and cheap. Like this movie was ridiculously expensive. As I mentioned, Snyder movies don't ever, they've never looked cheap. The man literally shot a like short film on an iPhone that looks as good as a theatrical, theatrically released blockbuster. The movies don't look cheap. You made a, you found a way to make this work look cheap. That's impressive. Like how did you screw up that bad? Because they're not freaking artists, right? And the I same mean, thing, it like that same... may be a little pretentious, but like you said, he a made little... a good-looking movie on an iPhone, quite literally. Yeah, yeah. That that he's an artist. Yeah, it, like... and a true artist is someone who is able to make good things despite the equipment that they're using. Right, and yeah, like a lot of the um, actual uh, CGI artists, the the digital artists that have come out have said pretty much they were forced to redo stuff in insanely small amounts of time. If you know anything about um, digital art, it's never done. It's just released. Yeah. However much time you yep. put into it, like it's just... Because there's so much amount of It's only done you when do. you can't work on it any longer. <clears throat> yep. Because uh, you can always uh, like work on something. There's, you can there's always, always add in things. more textures yep. and tweak the lighting. And, yep. like, it's just a matter of when is it good enough and we have to release it. So they were forced to work with all this new garbagey footage with bad lighting and it just threw off the whole process. And the same with the, the set and the costume design, mm-hmm. it makes the CGI look even worse because mm-hmm. the lighting is not helping it. It's no, instead of casting it in shadow and hiding the problems, it's exposing them with a spotlight. I, I hate when people always blame like CGI artists or like costume uh, designers, but just because of 
bad lighting and bad directing. These guys are hired to do these things, but they aren't given. They're not like, magicians. They're not given like a lot of time. No. You need a lot of time to render crap on like uh, on a freaking computer. This isn't just easy shit. You can just whip out of your asshole. Yeah. I mean, like, this it takes, takes this so takes so much like, time and computing power. It and takes knowledge. Like, two to three teams consisting of maybe six to eight people to do CGI work yeah. on a small level film. Yeah, you know how many CGI artists were on this film with the different studios involved? Like, Tell me how many. I don't know the specific number, just to be clear, but if I remember uh, roughly how long the credits are and how many people have talked about it, like a few hundred. Mm-hmm. Total cast is obviously in the thousands. Of how course. Big are. Like, that's, in- that's insane. All these people just getting thrown under the bus because they couldn't... The movie wasn't they weren't get given pushed. enough time. No, and they were given bad work. material to work. Yeah, with. they couldn't work with what they were planned on being given. You can't polish a turd. You can't polish a turd. Right. Well, no, kinda, you can. It just smears it around the floor. You can't you can polish make it. A little shiny, but that's it. Yeah. So on the topic of CGI, do we want to talk about the mustache? I. Even I know about this one. Oh, yeah. So, basically, during the reshoots for the film that were headed up by Joss Whedon, um, Henry Cavill had a mustache because he was filming uh, Mission Impossible at the time, and he was contractually obligated to keep his facial hair. And Um, that kind of kills me because it it doesn't look that great in Mission Impossible. Like, they definitely could have shaved it, and he would have been better looking. I don't even know. I don't honestly don't care. heterosexual male (laughs) i can say that comfortably fair um yeah so instead of saying hey paramount who is in charge of mission impossible you guys have to cg uh cgi the hair back onto his face uh more paramount said to wb no you have to cgi the mustache off of his face so all of the reshoots which as i said were far more extensive once you've watched this you can see that there's pretty much no snyder superman footage in this movie nope they it's uncanny valley at best like they had to paint dots onto his face and like find ways to paint over the mustache pretty much with cgi it makes his upper look upper lip look ridiculous and stiff and weird like Afterwards, there was a fan edit. Even a deep fake looks better than what they did. Yep. Genuinely, on an old computer, somebody whipped up a better looking video, not even like one image, like a video of it that looks better than what they did. Mm-hmm. You can I mean, tell. Come on. What is wrong with a stiff upper lip? You, my friend, have problems. So I this was one of the biggest things for like most people, like in the, the general audience to realize, hey, this movie is is f-ed up. Because it's obvious, like you see Henry Cavill and you're like, his face doesn't look right the whole time. There's like two shots that don't look like that. It's it's just weird and awkward and it doesn't look consistent. It's not even consistently bad. It's just different all the time. Um, so it, that is one of the ways you can see how pervasive the reshoots were. It's everywhere. So one of the, the really blatantly out of left field parts of this movie uh, in the theatrical cut is the excessive amount of quips and very witty comedy. Comedy um, Snyder films have been called too dark and overly serious. I can understand it, even though I disagree with it. I like the sense of humor they have. Maybe it's just me. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Very fair point. Like, so the theatrical- And also the quips in Justice League suck. 
sucked. Like, they weren't funny at all. Yeah, at least if you're gonna change it, make it funnier. The quips like, weren't funny at all. No, there's a couple of them, which I didn't totally hate, but it's like, brunch. That was a joke that was beaten to death. Uh, Pet Cemetery was beaten to death. Uh, basically, The Flash. The Flash was just turned into an absolute goofball. Do, do Does The Flash really... It... Do we really have to see the Flash falling into Wonder Woman's boobs? That's the next point. Joke? That's that's a whole point in and of itself. Well, yep. lump them together here. I think that's a good segue into that point. Yeah. So there's a lot of very awkward sexualization in this movie. I not even I would say more objectification than mm-hmm. sexualization. Like mm-hmm. these are very good looking actors and actresses. <laughs> let's not deny that. But the the reshoots really added in a lot of very gratuitously sexualized stuff like just copious amounts of ass shots 99% of Gal Gadot like it's just ridiculous it's awkward it doesn't fit with the tone certainly doesn't fit with how Zack Snyder shoots his female leads at all he doesn't do that um and there's a, a gag where um Ezra Miller's flash falls onto Wonder Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman's bosom and it's really clear that she wasn't actually the one doing it because you didn't see her face. Her face was turned uh-huh. and her, her body double came out <laughs> afterwards and said that she had to do that because Gal refused to do it because mm-hmm. it's out of character as well as just humiliating. Mm-hmm. Like that's not the, the flash is not a 10 year old. Like no. that's not how this that works. This relationship is not a little, a uh, little boy likes this woman that he sees no it's supposed to be a mother-son relationship at, like it, somewhere at least you just turn this into what are you doing stepson yeah really <laughs> like it's just it's gross and you can feel it um and it's only like it this isn't even like a well it's balanced because they really objectify the men too like yeah no duh but not there aren't just ass shots <laughs> for no reason like just really low, ha- literally low hanging fruit, like just butt shot for no reason. Those I mean, don't happen with the dudes. We did get one with Batman in the shower. I mean, okay, but that wasn't that wasn't just an ass shot. That was a back of his body shot. There's I know. I just wanted. I, I, I when we were talking I, about the uh, uh, BVS, uh, I was going to make a joke about it. And then you just kept going. I'm like, okay, I'll wait to talk about Ben Affleck's butt. <laughs> I just want to say that I don't remember all these ass shots. So maybe they stuck out for some of the viewers and not others. <laughs> uh, what is Jacob is saying is he's not a butt guy. So he doesn't care. <laughs> um, but that, yeah. So that was um, based on some of the crew um had come out and said that that's a lot of there was a lot of that type of behavior from joss whedon which there have been mostly unsubstantiated rumors from other productions of his mm-hmm. just he has he has some sketchy behavior with women we should probably leave it there for the sake of maybe being monetized yeah yeah let's right, leave cool. it there for his, also uh, time's sake his wife his ex-wife sorry uh has come out and said that he's basically like a a, a mouthpiece like a parroting feminist like he does he's really scummy underneath and he just talks a talk and then doesn't walk it at all yep um so just it's not surprising at all that yeah. this sort of stuff happened gal Godot said that she was like screamed at and like just made to feel like a piece of garbage on set especially around this decision apparently by a, a, an unsubstantiated report from a crew member said that she was physically threatened to be locked in a room until she decided to cooperate that's unsubstantiated at the moment but 
does that surprise you like at all not, it's it's not hard to believe no i mean hollywood's notorious for that sort of garbage anyway but it's pretty obvious that that's not how a Zack Snyder film is worked on. No. Like the cast and crew love working on it. If you watch Snyder's behind- a bro. Yeah. He's like you bro. can watch the behind the scenes footage. Everybody loves working with them. Even if like the movies aren't that great, if that are not your style or whatever, but like the people enjoy working on them and uh, mm-hmm. all the stuff from the reshoots was just told to be scummy and gross. So oh. Speaking of sexy, let's talk oh. about that black suit Superman. I don't fair like it it's it's delicious I'll say it I don't care it looks great um there's a really cool story behind how this works actually so apparently um I can't believe you stole that one in part of the the rewrite process way back at the beginning uh WB said that they couldn't have a black suit Superman because it's too sad and depressing or whatever it's just too sexy they just don't like how sexy it is fair they're just too you have insecure to about the themselves they're too insecure about themselves that they, they couldn't let us have our sexy Superman okay fair. Um, a bunch of tuna cans if I may say so oh my gosh shut up <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, Michael Wilkinson and Zack Snyder collaborated to make uh, the Justice League red and blue suit, which is what they filmed with. It actually has a reflective undersuit. That's why the high, the muscle highlights are really visible. Um, yeah, I because, was wondering about that when I yeah, first saw Yeah, and it looks that. really bad in the theatrical cut because yep. it was color graded weird and all that sort of stuff. Yep. But the reason they did that was um, because... They were hoping in post-production, either WB would change their minds or they'd just give them the middle finger and they'd physically <clears throat> dial it to black. Though with how the, re- the reflections would be needed to make the, you know, not just be matte black with no other colors in it. So it's just part of the process. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's really freaking cool. They designed a special suit just so in post-production, they could turn it black and silver. Like, it's just so cool. And we've seen footage of how good that suit looks now that they are turning it black and silver. And oh yeah, no, sexy. Just mm, all of the yes. Mm, black and silver. Mm. Yeah. No, still sadly, no uh mullet or uh beard, but I'll take the black suit. Yeah, no, I would I would have loved no a mullet, mullet and a beard. Just for the no, just for the no sake no of this. I would have I would have like dug the beard because Henry Cavill and Man yep. of Steel with that beard looked yep. freaking great. I yep. wouldn't have minded that. Mullet, yeah, it's a bit far. But I want my hairy Superman. I want my hairy man. Okay. Um, mm, I, you you just don't want to say it. I'll say it for you, Spencer. Out of all of us, all right. we know that you love him way more. I'm not going to start talking about Henry Cavill's body hair. We're not going there. Okay, fine. <laughs> Gosh, fine. Um, another character that was cut out of this film entirely, which is now where we're going. There's a, a big old list of characters that were cut out of this movie uh, from the theatrical cut. Green Lantern, like not just a Green Lantern, like we saw in the history lesson at the beginning of the movie, like the, or one of the Earth Green Lanterns that's supposed to be in the Justice League, um, in one way, shape, matter, form, was cut out of this movie entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some heavy speculation from a lot of the fans that there is uh, an actor named Sam Benjamin who confirmed he worked on this fi- worked on this film. His role was cut out. He... Um, apparently had like 20 or 30 minutes worth of footage by his own reports um, and has also liked a lot of him as Green Lantern fan art and he had some photos of him in military attire apparently from on set so you could put two and two together it's not confirmed but it's very 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 strongly suggested because there's like no other alternative that makes sense that 
the some form of Hal Jordan or Guy Gardner does exist in the actual Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is bloody sweet. I love Green Lantern. Please don't say you hate Green Lantern. I will not friend you anymore. I don't hate him. It's just he's not my favorite character except for Jon Stewart. Moving on to another green fellow that we love that was cut. Martian Manhunter was in this film. Um, Love me some Martian Manhunter. Yes. That brings me back to the Justice League cartoon and Justice League Unlimited. So, oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, Henry Lennox, who portrayed General Swanwick uh, in Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, was confirmed uh, by some storyboard panels uh, and then confirmed by his own mouth and Zach that he was playing Martian Manhunter the whole time. And he is in this film in his Martian form in some capacity or another um, and either joins the league or is at least connected to them in this film. And one would assume is being planted for use later on in Justice League 2 and 3 at the time. Cool. yeah, no, this is this is freaking sweet. I like I always loved Martian Manhunter when I was a kid, as you said, from Justice the Justice League cartoon. Right. Because I had no exposure to him before that. I was like, oh, who's this thing? And it's a really interesting character. He's OP as hell. But he's and, uh, same thing with Green Lantern. Like somebody asked me yesterday, I think, about which Green Lantern I like. And they were a little bit insensitive as to their description of uh, the Green Lanterns, but I was like, dude, I like both. But you know, the second option I like because of the Justice League and yeah. Justice the Unlimited cartoon. I totally like, get that. I that like all of my them. Title, but yeah, no, I, I, yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, so uh, more characters that we know of that have been confirmed to be getting put back into the movie, essentially. Uh, Iris West. There are many, many scenes with Iris West, um, who is the Flash's love interest. Um, as well as Ryan Choi, who is a scientist that works at Star Labs. He, in the comics, is the superhero, the Atom. Um, he, it, nobody really knows if he was supposed to become the Atom or if it was just Easter egg material, but a whole role got cut out. Um, Volko from Aquaman was in this movie, apparently. Um, and a lot of the stuff he was doing was replaced with Mara in reshoots. So, I have to be honest, back on uh, Iris West, the only interaction I've had with her is uh, from the CW Flash, so a little bit bitter tasting, to be honest. That's fair. Uh, I, I, I agree with you that Iris West from the, the CW show is uh, rough, to say the least. But from the comics, she's excellent. I, I really, really have... That's always been a romance I can get behind. They're just excellent stuff. I like seeing the Flash be in love. It's very fun. Um, yeah, so as I said, uh, Willem Dafoe is in this movie, which is awesome because you always want more Dafoe. Like, why would you deny that? Um, another I'm a little bit of a Willem Dafoe fan myself. Nice. <laughs> well, just like him because he's Green Goblin. No, I like him because he's a weird, angry man who is a good actor and stuff. Also, yes, Green Goblin. Also, our sailor boy. Yes. Our sailor, our naked... Uh, You're a fan of me man. lobster. A fan of me lobster, are you? I still hate that movie. You're wrong. It's okay, but you're wrong. Well, it's okay um, to be wrong, Jacob. So, Desaad, who is uh, one of Darkseid's right-hand men, like Steppenwolf, was cut out of this movie in in his entirety. We didn't even know that he was going to be in this movie until 
after um, the teaser for Zack Snyder's Justice League came out and revealed, oh yeah, this character's in here. He's uh, basically his um, maniacal torturing henchman sort of deal. He's a spindly man who tortures people and rips them apart and is sneaky and stuff. Isn't he like his priest or whatever? Kinda. He's like pseudo priest. Something like that. Um, what a Catholic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the probably uh, no, definitely the biggest role that got cut out of this movie is Dark, dark Side. Side. You cut out Dark Side, you How idiots. could you cut out Dark Side, our mean big baddie with that? Fatty, okay? Like, nerd. <laughs> so, this, he was not the primary antagonist of this movie. Steppenwolf is the primary antagonist of Zack Snyder's Justice League, but of he is course. being sent by Darkseid to the big baddie himself. Yeah, like the baddie of the DC Comics universe. In every multiverse, in every plane of reality, Darkseid is there. Mm-hmm. Darkseid is. It's dark, like, bro, you cut out Darkseid. What the f- you can't cut out Darkseid. Darkseid is. Exactly. How dare you? Exactly. Um, so he was actually in the the history lesson that, um, it, like, the original invasion of Earth, uh, I think it's like a 1,000 or 2,000 years before this movie, um, which we saw in the film was Steppenwolf doing that. It was actually both of them. Uh, they quite literally copy-pasted Steppenwolf to be doing what Darkseid was doing. It's really dumb. Um he was originally invading Earth, and this is when he was known as Yuxas, before he was even Darkseid, before he has all of his special Darkseid powers, which I'm not going to get into. He that was already an episode he for was, itself. Uh, yes. He is already this freaking crazy new god tyrant, and they cut him out, and that's, apparently we see him basically, uh, from Zack Snyder's mouth, be baby Darkseid, in effect, um, mm-hmm. before he becomes actual Darkseid. Mm-hmm. And... He's in not a lot of this movie. We basically know every scene he's in. Uh, he's in the history lesson. Apparently, there is some form of a nightmare vision, um, as we saw in Batman v Superman. There is another one or two where he is in, as well as at the end of the movie when Steppenwolf dies. The... So let me the let me explain the nightmare vision in BVS Batman oh. versus Superman. Yes. That's when uh, Batman wakes up. Right, he wakes up in yeah. like a deserty area, almost like you know, Iraq, Afghanistan, kind of, or you know, something deserty like that. Um, and then climbs out of the tunnel that he's in, and he sees the Omega symbol drawn in the dirt. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else in that vision, is there? Um, basically, to explain that, it's a glimpse into the potential future of this universe where Superman falls prey to the anti-life equation, which is a mind control superpower, basically, um, that Darkseid cultivates in different planets and realities. It is a mathematical equation of non-mathematical things. So it's like despair and hopelessness and anger and alienation it depending on which continuity you're in it has different terms but it's but to uh, sum it up it is uh, the make good into bad equation pretty much so um it's gonna make superman bad just to yeah so in in that is a sense of batman's paranoia as well as the flash traveling back in time 
literally in that scene uh it's like a rift in time that he is seeing into that's why we have that scene in bvs it's not just it's not a dream sequence or anything right it but is for a casual actual... audience you could just say it's his paranoia manifesting as a dream it's multi it has layers it's an yeah. onion it can be that oh shut up you little shrek boy <laughs> you and your green shrek shirt you got going on um yeah so in that that is hinting towards the plan of this whole arc which is not what this episode is about i would love to get into that but yeah no, so, move on. yeah dark side is sending out steppenwolf to essentially cultivate the mother boxes as well as um take advantage of the fact that superman is dead there is no kryptonian <coughs> protector of this planet as some of the marketing material said no green lanterns no kryptonian you know like He's going to take the planet and then continue to grow the equation. Um, that is his end goal. So cutting out Darkseid in its entirety, it's like it's setting up the actual bad guy of this full series. That's just insane. And to give you an idea how much of this was, um, how much work was put into this role, the actor Ray Porter, who uh, does a lot of like TV roles, he's an audiobook um, narrator. He has an excellent voice, by the way. Just just to put that out, like amazing work. I've listened to some of the audiobooks he's done. Career. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, he also has a large role in the um, Audible original Sandman production, which I thought he did very well in that as well. I uh, really want to hear that. It's so good. Um, yeah, no. So he um, has been another one of the big supporters of the movement. He did motion capture work for this role. Not a lot, but he did mocap. Um, and at some point or another, it'd be cool to hear his dark side voice. He uh, has said he can't perform it uh, in front of anybody at the moment, which is kind of lame. But yeah, so th like that's just the large roles. There are even more roles that got cut out of this movie. There's like a good dozen named important characters that were just removed entirely um so that's a uh, hopefully an idea of how many things were freaking changed they're two entirely separate movies wait, wait, there's yeah. count. uh two four six eight ten twelve fourteen sixteen seventeen topics that spencer had listed and you can google each and every single one of them pretty easily to find out what is wrong with uh, the theatrical cut of Justice League. I especially uh, suggest that you Google the black suit Superman because, oh. Oh, it's so, so good. Uh, so that is the end of the condensed summary of the, the comparison section. Um, so on to why it matters that the, the Snyder Cut is released, primarily <laughs> for artistic integrity. Like, yeah, it's fanboyism and all that sort of fun stuff. But really, at the end of it, it's artistic integrity. You hire a director and a writer and producers and artist, all these artists to the set principle. out to like do this thing. You agree to let them have this plan and to execute it. You're going to fund them and let them do what they're going to do. And then you start ripping it to shreds, firing people, replacing people, and modifying what they're doing. It's scummy at best. It's not living up to what you agreed to even in contract form even just legally speaking it's bad it's just kind of pathetic and then um it affects the consistency of the the dceu these series of interconnected films there is less connective tissue and consistency between tone and directors because you've 
replaced and ripped out so much work that was done. So the movies make less sense cohesively. The tones jump all over the place rather than letting the artists do the tonal progression and character growth that they had planned. Now it's just chopped into little bits and people are basically arguing over it. And now we don't even know exactly what continuity, what movies are in because of how they have to distinct them now. Um, a big part that has been coming to light recently is the sense of inclusivity and <clears throat> diversity that Zack Snyder's cast brings. He has a very wide variety of people from so many different walks of life in his cast, named roles, stunt people everywhere. And you, in the end of the theatrical cut, whether or not it's a coincidence, basically every single person of color was cut out of the film except Cyborg and his dad. It could be a coincidence, but like, mm, it looks sketchy. At least it looks sketchy. So you're cutting out all these voices that should be getting projected and instead you're just silencing them and it's just bad. So another reason why this also matters is because, yeah, we can say, oh, it's just another one of those Hollywood movies that are, that are like something bad happened, everyone's getting screwed over, whatever. It's like every other movie getting screwed over, but this is almost like, this is the start of a movement where we're not allowing Hollywood to get away with it anymore. We're not standing for that as fans and as humans uh people need to get the credit where credit is due yeah like that's other stuff that i wasn't going to necessarily go into but like there are so many people that worked on the film that aren't even credited in the theatrical cut like hairstylists like everybody so many people that just did which get... goes with the continuity of things right they are really important so you're just taking away credit from people um as well as the fan investment <clears throat> like as Jacob said at the beginning, the, the Snyder cult runs deep. It's a really big <laughs> fan base of people. Um, and these things mean a lot to them. And obviously, you know, that is the the least, I would say least important out of everything. It's just, hey, fans getting what they want. Like we're consuming a product. That's the the more important part is that people are getting paid for the work yep. they're doing. They're getting credited. Yep. But also like you treat your fans well that this is what they said that they wanted in one capacity or another they paid with their pocket and you're telling them that this is not what you're going to do anymore and they spoke they said hey this theatrical cut of the movie sucks ass we're not paying to watch it most of the public really really rejected it anyway and they have vocally said hey we're not we're not going to watch some of your movies because you've been screwing over so many people we're gonna continually knock on your door basically always hitting twitter trending hey you know we're still here we're gonna pay Release for the it Snyder cut. if you do it we'll pay for it i will pay for this 10 times over i don't care i want it um and just the sense of how much money <clears throat> the studio can make off of this basically you have this movie that's like 90 percent finished sitting in a vault that you've already lost money on because you screwed it over. Like, release. why wouldn't you make money off of things that people want? Like, not, as I said, like most of the the money was already put into it. Just finish it. Give the man however much money he needs to finish the little bit that needed to be done, and release the stupid thing. It's not going to cost. You don't have to market it. You literally, all of this is just super petty. Shit. You yeah. This like, whole that's thing getting just to petty. behind the scenes stuff with WB Pictures. It actually is petty. Um. But onto the money. Like, <clears throat> onto the money. You don't have to market the movie. You literally do not have to market Zack Snyder's Justice League at this no. point because there are so many 
millions of fans that say, hey, I will support this 10 times over when it comes out. I will pay for it. I'll watch it in theaters. I'll buy a subscription service. I'll pay for it on disc, anything. Whatever it takes, I just want it. It's hit Twitter trending like 50 times. I'm not really exaggerating either. Like that gets all the attention in the world. It's been talked about by every major like publication. Come on. You don't even have to put money into it to market it. Just put it out. Um, and then the last little bit, why it matters to me, which now I get to get all weird and personal. Um, so the this iteration of these characters uh, in Man of Steel and Batman v Superman hit at a specific time in my life where a lot of the, the themes and attitudes were very personal to me in very vague terms. It hit all of the right chords for me, or at least most of them. It was important. It helped me in a sense, it's going to sound really tacky, but like it helped me feel less alone at the time. Like it was like, Hey, there are other people interested in these characters in such a way um, that I am. There are people that want to watch these things be taken seriously or be presented in such a way. The, the themes and growth that the characters go through of alienation and rejection um, and like kind of rejecting destiny and mm-hmm. anger and rage and loss and overcoming trauma it's a emotional connection for us and why it matters yeah, and that is a very subjective thing but at it, least for me it's oh valid. my gosh it hit everything and it like i still get pretty teary watching both of those movies if even now if people are valid to be invest as much as like how they are invested in sports we can have our validation in being invested in these fictional characters. Exactly. It just it just ticked all my boxes. And There's being... only the difference in what we're being shown, not in how we are connected to them. Right. What even though they're not emotionally connected on a like I don't know, like uh, uh, heartfelt emotion, they're connected in in their their money and their time and other like emotions and connection with people just how we are connected in certain ways like that so it is uh, this is valid to us and we don't really have to have a reason but just to say it's valid right it yeah that yeah that's pretty much the only way to put it without getting into really weird specific things yeah i'm trying not to that's why yeah. it's kind of like awkward pause well yeah such is life so such as long life. didn't read summary Justice League 2017 was barely a movie. It was a wrecked production that was taken away from people that were actually producing a movie. This new movie is in pretty much entirely different outside from basic plot structure <laughs> and deserves to be seen. Bada bing, bada boom. Hashtag release the Snyder Cut. Does anybody have anything to say or am I done? I think we hit all the bases pretty well. I hit all your bases. You will do a lot more of that tonight. Oh boy! Oh, so I just want to. I we clearly teased it before, but uh, I'm gonna go full, full uh, ruthless editor from now on. Anytime Spencer mentions Justice League or <laughs> Zach Daddy, we're gonna insert. At least to start, a sexual sound, just <laughs> for the humor of it. But, you know, as time goes on, maybe it'll be like a bell gong or something. But just just something. Maybe, maybe we should make it the ding of the mother boxes. 
<laughs> oh no. No, you're just gonna get turned on by that. <laughs> exactly. So there will be some weird editing from now on. I'm okay with that. Probably have to explain every time. <laughs> Such is life. Such is life. That's okay. So yeah. And we will be doing the same thing for Colin with Hellboy oh, in yeah. a few months. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You better. <laughs> I'm excited for that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can even sample you some of my own sexual noises. We'll do that later. <laughs> um, so thanks for listening to this Snyder Cut special of the Dime Comic Bros podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us an email at dimecomicbros.gmail.com. Eh, gmail I can't speak English after speaking English for so long. Speak English, I cannot. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, you can visit our website at dimecomicbros.podbean.com. You can listen to this podcast pretty much anywhere you can imagine, including YouTube. And obviously, you are listening to it somewhere, so that's cool. I'll do uh, that's appreciated. Uh, we have iTunes and Spotify and Google Podcasts and what's that last one that I, I saw? radio. Oh no, there's one more podcast. Like, yeah, you know, I already said that one. It's like keep, all the things. Keep talking. I'll freaking find it. You can also visit our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash dime comic bros. Um, as the name says, we're all broke here. Like we get it. But if for whatever reason you do want to support the podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. We have lots of different tiers. You can vote on topics. You get a cool sticker. Uh, you get your name shouted out. All sorts of fun stuff. Uh, as well as commissioned work by Colin. Yep, I'll be doing some of that. Overcast. We are on Overcast. I don't even well. know what that is. I know. But you literally submitted it everywhere. <laughs> Holy cow. We are literally everywhere. Um. Yeah, so thanks for Do listening. Sponsored art by Colin. Yeah. Mr. At Artsy Boy. What's up? Patreon. So get some of that sexy art. You can see a sample of it on our uh, Facebook profile page. And basically everywhere and, else. Uh, it's pretty impressive that I know that because I, the boomer, do not even have Facebook. So you quite literally do not. So yeah, uh, Colin, make a joke. Oh, you can't just do that to me. You can't just can pop do, out of nowhere like a boner in the bed together. Well, oh, <laughs> you can't pop a tent on me, you know. <laughs> that is impressive. I'm very impressed with that <laughs> on the spot improv. That's the type of improv I can do. It usually involves crossing all of the lines and many people's boundaries. It's very I'll cross can, your uh, line. <laughs> you can unplug you your now. That's the end of the episode. I knew as soon as I started heating up my dinner, you guys were finally going to get this to work. <laughs> Well, well, it was mainly a Wi-Fi issue. My dad cut the, like, Wi-Fi cord on Like, us. quite literally, he cut the cable and had to replace it. Oof. Yeah. I wish I had saved the recordings of me testing, because they were funny. It was me saying Snyder and Nut a lot. Switching again! How yes. many times? We've switched chairs, like, four or five times. That's fine. We're switching. Cool. We're either dominant or sub subservient. Bro, you're a bottom.
I'm not though. I am not. You are. You want? Sure. Maybe you're not. You want to be bottom. Because you're never bottom. You want to be bottom. Sure. Colin probably stands while he does it. What? Colin probably stands while he does it. I like your (laughs) settings for changing the volume. That's cute. What? It's Jake saying beep boop. I like it. (laughs) Yeah. I think we're good. Do you really want to sit like that? How do you do that on a wooden chair? I'll be fine. I'm just curious. Like, actually, how the f*** do you do that? I can't. It kills my ankles. Um, I used... Have you seen my ankles? I mean, they're chunky, but, like, They're still. rough. Look. Oh, actually, they got smooth after high school. In high school, I just kind of, like, sat like this in my plastic chair. Oh, no! I can't see Jacob. Where'd he go? Um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about the Snyder Cut. Oh. So that's fun. Before we get into this, another housekeeping, kind of housekeeping. So if it seems a little awkward between us three talking... Uh, we have a problem where um, one of us has to wear headphones to hear Jacob because we're in a Zoom meeting and I can't hear him. I can hear him a little bit. So if it sounds awkward between Jacob and I, that is the problem. Yeah, we should. It's funny really because ch- I tested this theory earlier and said that Colin <laughs> I mean, licked my booty hole and Colin did not react at all. So, yeah, he can't totally hear you um we literally just need to get a headphone splitter the fact that i, have, of us, I think i have one somewhere laying around here well next week we're gonna it. use it if yep. we have to do this exact setup again we're gonna use that next week mm-hmm. so but anyway back to the justice league yeah um so there is this so um after the success of the dark knight trilogy uh warner bros and warner brothers pictures approached <laughs> Guys, for the love of <laughs> not even like 10 minutes in, and, and Jacob and I are trying to communicate through our own sign language. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know my word. Because, you know, not everybody knows this sorts of crazy stuff. Like, that's just the way it goes. I'm going to sneeze. It looks like Colin has a question. Colin, do you have a question? Or are you just nope. okay? You're just being <laughs> he's just snapping his fingers with his hand like all yeah. the way stretched out above his head. <laughs> How are your pits already sweaty? You just took a shower, dude. Maybe he didn't dry his pits. Uh, sweaty, it's sweat stain. Oh, moist. 